Pastor Xavier Reese says you'll be all you can be when you're being all God wants you to be. The body of the church is so diverse. We have different gifts, different callings. We have different anointings. And they're so diverse as your members of the body. Do what God's called you to do. Be what God's called you to be. God puts this church together. Every member doing its part. It's real simple. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Urging the believers to offer their bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, Paul added this in his exhortation in the book of Romans. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. And so, in the conclusion of his epistle to Philemon, Paul once again acknowledges the importance of the body of Christ offering support to one another. Here's Pastor Xavier picking up our Simple Truths verse-by-verse study with the closing verses 23 through 25. Let's listen. The letter to Philemon has yielded to us great riches in Christ. As Paul the Apostle has made a very loving and passionate plea by interceding for Onesimus, the runaway slave, to his master Philemon. Paul has mentioned six persons in the epistle already. Himself, Timothy, Philemon, Aphia, Archippus, and Onesimus. He will mention five more now at the close of the letter. Paul always names a bunch of people, even in this little epistle. He was a man who surrounded himself with people. He invested time in people. He was always accountable to people. Simple principles of the Christian life, but more so in ministry. Now the Apostle Paul here comes to the end of his letter, where we have the personal closing farewell of Paul's friends along with his own. Let me read it here, verse 23 through 25. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ, Jesus, greets you, as do Mark, Archippus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. This uh, closing farewell of Paul's friends along with his own is evident, first of all, by the greeting from Paul's cell companion, verse 23. Secondly, the greeting from Paul's co-workers, verse 24. And then thirdly, the benediction from Paul to Philemon in verse 25. The greeting from Paul's cell companion, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ, Jesus, greets you. Epaphras was um, in Rome in the cell along with Paul, as we have seen through the letter. His name means lovely. And certainly as we have seen him in this epistle to Colossae, as well as here to Philemon, we've gotten better acquainted with him. He had come to Rome to inform Paul of the false teaching at Colossae. Colossians 1.7 tells us, and he would return to Colossae with the epistle to be read to the whole church so that they could stand fast in the word of God. 
He was one of them, a Colossian himself. Colossians 1.12 told us that. Epaphras was the pastor of Colossae, we believe. Colossians 1.7. As he came, he came to Rome again to tell Paul and to get his advice. No doubt he was um, converted through Paul's ministry at Ephesus. The possibility that he was overseeing Laodicea and Hierapolis is strongly implied in Colossians 1.13. Now, Onesimus was Philemon's runaway slave from Colossae, as we learn not only from this epistle, but from Colossians chapter 4, 7 through 9. And Paul was sending Tychicus or Tychicus, whichever you want to pronounce it, to Colossae to know their state and comfort their heart, we were told, in Colossians 1, 7 and 8, or 4, 7 and 8. So it's important that as we see the letters and how they fit, that they complement one another and they give us a bigger picture. Like when you start making one of those puzzles, you start putting pieces together. First you get the edges and then you start working in and you start getting a better picture. This is what happens when we can uh, look at these letters and see how they complement. Onesimus would um, be returning with Tychicus and both would share all the things that were going on in Rome. Uh, We're told that again uh, in, in Colossians as well as here in Philemon, because they would be going back. Now, Epaphras is called by Paul, notice, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus. Uh, the term fellow prisoner is made up of, of two Greek words, soon, which means with, and the root word meaning one caught with a spear, a war captive. We've seen this already before. And he was a captive with Paul, a fellow prisoner, but only by voluntary choice. Because of his love for the church, as he was there to confront the false teaching through the counsel of Paul. Once again, demonstrating the heart of a true pastor, a shepherd. Paul indicates he was a prisoner here in the epistle in verse 1, verse 9, and verse 10 in chains. Paul calls Tychicus a fellow prisoner also in Colossians 4.10, if you remember. The next phrase in Christ Jesus qualifies whose prisoner Epaphras was, who he belonged to. The phrase, as you know, identifies Epaphras as a born-again believer, one who has repented from his sins, redeemed as a son of God. The phrase indicates the sufficiency for his life for all situations. The phrase identifies the God-man Messiah, both human and divine. Now, notice Epaphras was sending his greeting to Philemon here in verse 23. A formal courtesy when meeting someone or departing. A formal goodbye and departure as in the letter here. Epaphras was Philemon's pastor, remember. He's been gone quite a while. You know, if you got one letter in 21 to 30 days during the Vietnam War, you were real fortunate. And you were excited to read it to see what was going on. Today, people just get an email. My son's in Iraq right now. Before I leave, I'll send him an email. But here, as they're closing this epistle, it's going to take a long time to even get there. (laughs) And so I think that The affection, the intent, 
Everything else is so much different. I think that the world has made us real impersonal, real cold, real indifferent. And we have to be careful of that as Christians. How important it is that we remain true in our greeting to one another. That we not be hypocritical or simply mechanical. That we not be indifferent or carnal. But that we might be genuine and passionate in our love for our Lord. And if our love for our Lord is passionate, then we're going to have love for one another. Um, Paul the Apostle to the Romans, he, he says in Romans 13, 8, Owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. And so love doesn't mean that you just kind of smile and just go along with everything. But that's how some Christians interpret that you're a loving Christian. No, love means that you're biblical. That you use the word of God as a standard for yourself and for others. That you use the grace of God and you're the first to use it up, a lot of it. So you have to be able to give it out. Very, very important. The greeting from Paul's cell companion, Epaphras, was from his heart. He was writing to the home church. He was a pastor. Now notice the greeting of Paul's co-workers are next in verse 24. As do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers. Uh, the four names that follow are men that also sent their greetings to Philemon. The four men are, are grouped together under the descriptive phrase, fellow laborers. Uh, the phrase, again, is made up of two words. Again, the word son, which means with or to accompany. And the word argon, meaning to work, employment, or business. These men were those who were laboring with Paul. They were with Paul at Rome at the present time, and they were doing for Paul what he could not do, being confined, such as Tychicus delivering the epistle to Colossae and to Philemon. These men were yielding to Jesus that he might work through them. And it's always exciting to see what God does through the church. People that want to be used of God, they just make themselves available. They were servants of the king, working in the kingdom of God, Colossians 4.11 said. They were workers of the gospel, 1 Thessalonians 3.2 says. And they were in submission to Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the word of God, 3 John 8 says. Mark and Aristarchus were Jewish converts. They were mentioned along with one named Jesus who was called Justice, who was also said to be a Jew in Colossians 4, 10 through 11. These were the only ones of the circumcision helping Paul at that time, he said there in Colossians. Why Jesus' justice is not mentioned in his letter here, we're not, we don't know. He just wasn't. Now Marcus next is the salvaged man. Mark is um, a name Latin in origin, Marcos, meaning a defense. He also is called John Mark in Acts 12, 12. He also was a Jew. Mark was cousin to Barnabas, as you know. So Mark's mother, Mary, was the aunt of Barnabas. 
Uh, Colossians 4.10 gives us that information. The mother of Mark was Mary, and the church met in her house, as you know, in Acts 12.12. And Mark had accompanied Barnabas and Saul, the first missionary journey in Acts 12.25, but he departed and returned to Jerusalem when they got to Perga and Pamphylia in Acts 13.13. This kind of put a bad taste in Paul's mouth, as you know, regarding Mark. On the second journey, Barnabas wanted to take John Mark, but Paul refused to do so. There was a strong contention in Acts 15, 36 through 39. And so Paul took Silas and went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches while Barnabas took Mark and went to Cyprus in Acts 15, 40 through 41. And the mission outreach really doubled through them. Mark is responsible for writing the second gospel, as you know, which is often called the Gospel of Peter due to the fact that he obtained his information from Peter. And that's usually the way the Gospel of Peter is recognized and identified, that Mark got it directly from Peter because he traveled and spent so much time with him. Now, Paul tells the Colossians to welcome Mark there in chapter 4, verse 10. And the word there, welcome, means to take with the hand the idea, again, is granting access, hospitality, and fellowship. Paul and Mark had reconciled, and Mark had become an asset to the church. And um, in, in the 34 years I've been walking with God, I, I've seen this. I've seen some people be very flaky at first. They're immature, and then they mature. They turn around, and God uses them incredibly. We're the one that makes the choice. And if we're willing to yield, then God will give us the enablement and the sufficiency to fulfill the task. Paul and Mark had reconciled, and Mark had become of great value. Paul, as he was waiting to be executed, he asked Timothy to bring Mark, if you remember, in 2 Timothy 4.11, uh, for he was profitable to him in the ministry, he said, uh, what a great commendation, um, knowing that he's going to be um, put to death, uh, that he would say that about Mark. Now, Aristarchus is next, and he's the sympathetic man, Colossians 4.10 tells us. The name Aristarchus means best ruling, a native of Thessalonica, and as noted, Jewish. Uh, you'll find him in Acts 19.29 and 20, verse 40. He and Gaius were apprehended by the mob at Ephesus, if you remember. Both were from Macedonia. Acts 19.29 tells us again. He was one of the seven to accompany Paul to Macedonia. And perhaps with Paul in the perilous account shared with the Corinthians. Again, Acts 20, verse 4, and 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 through 10. Aristarchus was present to sail with Paul to Rome after two years of imprisonment, Acts 27, 2 tells us. He went through the storm, the shipwreck, in Acts 28. He was now with Paul in Rome in the cell four years after leaving Ephesus. Faithful, committed. He has called a fellow laborer here in Philemon. Then we have Demas, the seduced man. Colossians 4.14 also mentions him. His name means uh, governor of the people. We know little about him, but 
what we do know is very important, and it's enough. One um, commentator calls him the fly in the ointment. In Colossians, he simply sends his greeting to the church. The gathered information about Demas is insightful. Here in Philemon 24, he's called a fellow worker. In 2 Timothy 4.10, we are told that Demas had forsaken Paul by the time he was ready to die, having loved the present world system. He abandoned him. There are people whom you will pour your life into, and one day they will leave. Some of them will go back into the world. You've got to make sure that you don't take this personal. As a shepherd, as one who disciples people, you don't take it personal. You do what you do for the glory of God and because God is directing. The flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, Galatians 5.17 says. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life, 1 John 2.15-17 is ever present. And so we have to guard ourselves, even as Paul told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 10.12, let him who thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. We have to count the cost, even as Jesus says, when a man is going to go to war, he assesses what he has and what the army has and his opponent, whether he can match him. In case he thinks he can, he better try to make a treaty. Or the man that's going to build a house, at first he should, you know, measure off the square foot, see how much material is going to take and how much labor, and then measure that up to the money in the bank and see if he can do it. <laughs> Let's he begin and and then he run out of money and it stays there for years and people walk by and they mock it. It's the same in our spiritual life in the service of God. You must count the cost. Here's the cost. Your entire life. All your life. That's what it costs God to save you. He wants all your life. Next, we have Luke, the sound physician. He was a Gentile. His name means light-giving. The Bible is silent, but tradition again tells us that he at one time was a slave, perhaps of Theophilus, lover of God, which his gospel and Acts is addressed to. And that at time, perhaps in time, he freed him. And that's who he was writing to. But again, that's tradition. We do know that many wealthy men had their own physicians, their own poets, their own entertainers, and they sent them to school. Physicians were usually slaves. People didn't say, well, when I grow up, I think I'll be a physician. No. They, 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 they grew up to be served if you had money. You didn't become anything. You, you, you hired all these people. They were your slaves, and you educated them to take care of you. Luke is the only Gentile author in the New Testament. He writes his gospel, and he writes the book of Acts. He joined Paul at Troas, as you know, where they received the vision from a man of Macedonia. And it's very evident by the pronoun we in Acts 16.10. Luke sailed with Paul from Philippi, evident by the pronoun we again, 
in Acts 20, verse 6. Luke is present on board to Rome by the use of the same pronoun we in Acts 27, 3. Faithful man, Luke, always with Paul in every way. In Paul's second imprisonment, only Luke was with him, 2 Timothy 4.11 says. He was the only one. Paul said one thing about Luke in Colossians. Listen. He was beloved. Agapitos. Affectionately loved in God's love. The term is one of endearment. A.T. Robertson says it may mean my beloved physician. They were very close. The body of the church is so diverse we have different gifts. We have different callings. We have different anointings. Um, Romans chapter 12, as you know, 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14. Ephesians chapter 4, 9 through 16. Uh, 1 Peter 4, 10. All the gifts of the Spirit are given there. And they're so diverse. As your members of the body, you might be a little finger. Then be a little finger. Don't tell the tongue what to do. You know nothing about the tongue. Are you a tongue? Then leave the foot alone. Are you a foot? Don't desire to be a hand. Just be a foot. Do what God's called you to do. Be what God's called you to be. And it'll all work out. You understand? God puts this church together. Every member doing its part. It's real simple. It's like having a home. If the wife is the only one working in that house from the minute everybody gets up, she's never done. She will be exhausted. But if everybody has their chores, everybody does their part in that home, that house will be clean. It will stay clean, and it will not take all day. And everybody can enjoy each other. It's the same thing in the church. No different. But again, that's a personal decision that you make. Whether you think God's really giving you some gifts for the edification of the body, or whether you think God is giving you a gift of occupying two feet of pew or a chair. You're the one that makes that decision, not the Lord, because he forces no one to serve him. Please don't think you're serving him by coming to church. <laughs> That's not service. That's obedience for your growth, development, and maturity. But if you just eat, 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 and don't have any physical exercise, you become obese. You need food and you need exercise so you can be healthy in the Lord. No different. What God looks to is our faithfulness to Him. He looks at our motive, why we do what we do. 1 Corinthians 4 5, He will reward us according to the motives of our heart. Not what I do, not how much I do. He looks our dependency on Him, that we really believe 
that apart from him you can do nothing, John 15, 5. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men. Pastor Xavier Reese drawing today's simple truths from our closing study of Paul's letter to Philemon. Now, there's much more of the conclusion of this message to come next time, but if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, as always, you can pick up a copy. And the title you want to ask for is simply, Paul's Loving Goodbye. It's available on CD for only $4. And this might be a study you'd like to pass on to someone in your church or Bible study when you're through. Now, once again, the title to ask for is, Paul's Loving Goodbye, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com